0: For joining us today on another episode of Equip. Uh, we are so excited. We have an apostolic leader of hundreds of churches all over the world um, from a network called Lifelinks International with us today. And his name is Pastor Dave Wells. Uh, another episode he was on, he shared his powerful testimony of how he came to Christ and how he went into the ministry. And today he's going to talk about. The making of a leader or more specifically how to train leaders today because he really is a leader of leaders so we just welcome you here today yeah, it's
1: great to be here sherry
0: yeah that's good so just share with us a little bit um, like I mentioned you're a leader of leaders you know and um, so you probably have some pretty solid principles in place when it comes to training and equipping leaders and um, you know certain leaders that you look right. for uh, so just I'll just let you go ahead and you okay. can just talk to us about that
1: okay well I I think that you know, everything rises and falls on leadership. And no matter what you want to do, uh, in the, you, it, it takes leaders to do it. Mm-hmm. You can come up with all kinds of ideas about how you want to sh- share the gospel or whether you want to plant a church or whether you want to uh, go to the mission field or any kind of ministry always involves leadership. And the, the truth of the matter is is that we're short of leaders. We don't, we don't have enough leaders. And, that, and that's really the key. And that's really even the key to... The kingdom of God expanding is if you multiply leaders, you multiply the kingdom. Because what are leaders? Leaders are simply people of influence. They influence yes. other people. So the more leaders that you raise up, the more you, people you influence. And so mm-hmm. I'm very strong and a very strong believer that a key strategy, and no, I don't care what the ministry is, if you want that ministry to grow, you have to. If you increase the number of leaders, you will it will grow. Hmm. And so I, I think. But our problem is is Finding people who are equipped and prepared and ready to step into leadership that 's the challenge and that 's always been the challenge throughout yeah, history yeah so
0: so you oversee you know basically hundreds of leaders right now right um, how do you do it how do you, how do you oversee them and develop relationships and and train them to, to be ready for those um, different areas of ministry that they are functioning in
1: well I, I, th- I think that the, the I think the Bible gives us the principle of how to do it. I mean, Moses uh, led three to six million people out of Egypt and, and uh, got them out in the desert and tried to pastor them all by himself. And, mm. and he had a lineup that went over the horizon. And finally, his father-in-law, Jethro, came to him and said, hey, what you're doing is not good. You're going to kill yourself, wear yourself out, and wear all yeah. these people out. So he gave them the strategy. Which is called the Deth- Jethro principle: mm-hmm. appoint leaders of thousands, leaders of hundreds, leaders of fifties, leaders of tens. Hmm. And he said, the very most difficult things you deal with, but everybody, but let these other leaders pastor the pastor the church in the wilderness of six million people. Six so million people. That's yeah. what he did, and and that principle is still true. I believe that. So how do we do it in Lifelinks? It's the same way is that we multiply leaders and you have leaders of various capabilities. You have leaders that are leaders of leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have lead- we have leaders of thousands. We, we have leaders of hundreds, fifties, tens, mm-hmm. and that's the only way you can do it. So personally, I can't look after all those leaders myself. Obviously, I have one person. Right, yeah. So It would exhaust you. Yeah, <laughs> it's impossible. Yeah. So. You, I, sir, I believe in very strongly in team ministry, and I believe that every ministry should have its own team. And, and, I, and I have a team. But we have a LifeLinks apostolic team that, that oversees the whole network. But in, but in various countries, we have key leaders, mm-hmm. um, and we, we work through them, and mm-hmm. they multiply leaders. And so my, one of the big things that I do now when I travel to other nations is help them form leadership teams. Right. and and build their own networks in their own countries. Yeah, yeah.
0: So one of the principles that I know um, that you try to implement and put into place is training the few. Right. So what does that mean to you?
1: Well, I think one of the problems with training leaders is we've fallen into the trap uh, in the body of Christ where we think that because the need is so great Mm -hmm. that we need all these leaders that we can somehow set up some kind of production line and we can just crank off these leaders like off an assembly line and so we have bible schools and i'm not against bible schools Mm -hmm. don't misunderstand me but but it takes more than bible schools quote unquote traditional bible schools to to produce leaders yes and and it takes way more than that and and certainly we've gone down that road we we went down the road of 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 having various forms of bible schools and i've never been really totally satisfied with it and so finally, a few years ago, we went back to the Bible, which is always a good place to go always back Always a to. good place, yeah. And asked ourselves, how did Jesus do it? And of course, when Jesus was walking the earth, the need was the greatest. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. the church hasn't been birthed yet. He's about yeah. to. What did he do? He chose 12. Hmm. Uh, he lost one out of 12. He had 11, uh, which they replaced with Matthias. But nevertheless, he chose 12 and poured his heart and soul into them for three and a half years. Yeah, so he didn't choose two or three hundred. No, but just just the twelve. He had the yeah. twelve, but I mean, he had other con- spheres. I believe that he had the twelve, but then he had the seventy. Right, and then and, and there were times when he taught multitudes, and obviously there were more people hanging around him that he was influencing than just the twelve, because mm-hmm. when Judas fell, they they had Matthias was right there. They had somebody. Re- they had somebody up. there to yeah. to choose to replace him. So there was more than just the twelve, but. You can see the concentric circles coming into the center, but he spent most of his time with the 12. With the few people. With the few. And so the principle is train the few who will in turn then train others. That's really, it seems slow at the beginning. It seems like it'll never work. Mm -hmm. But hey, if you you look back over 2,000 years of history, did it work for Jesus? Well, yeah. I mean, we have multiple millions of Christians today in churches all over the world, Mm -hmm. which started from 12. Yeah right yeah it's quality over quantity yeah
0: yeah that's good So
1: we look for the few and so I'm always looking for who the people that God wants me to pour my my life into Mm
0: -hmm, mm mm-hmm so what kind of atmosphere do you create um, when it comes to training those few, or or climate I think you've used that word in the past
1: well it's it's, what's kind of fascinating is if you look at if you were to survey churches and survey pastors and ask them where they came from a large church (laughs) <laughs> excuse me or they came from a small church the majority of leaders good leaders came from small churches uh that rural wow. churches actually produce more first level leaders than than large urban churches
0: not the mega churches
1: not the mega churches
0: not the mega churches
1: but the smaller churches smaller churches that, that
0: seems that doesn't even seem logical in a sense
1: um it's, well it is logical if you really think about what actually produces leaders right. and why why are rural churches why are smaller churches more successful and producing first level when I say first level leaders i 'm talking about senior pastors of churches, mm-hmm. people that are missionaries who go to the mission field, people that lead ministries those those types of leaders those first level leaders, the majority of them will come from smaller church settings, not large church settings hmm. and I think the, there 's reasons for it the reason is the biggest reason is in a smaller church setting there 's more opportunity, more opportunity right, for ministry. Yeah. Uh, the community, the, 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 the sense of community is stronger. The relationships many times are are stronger um, because of the smaller setting. And large urban churches, the larger that church gets, they have difficulty maintaining that. Mm-hmm.
0: People can get lost can in get the lost. flow of people, right? That's yeah. right.
1: And, so, yeah. and, there's, and there's, there seems to be less opportunity. So that's why smaller churches produce stronger mm-hmm. leaders. And I think we need to look at that and say, whoa, let's, let's go back and have a close look at why that is the case, mm-hmm. which is what we have done. And so we then, I believe that relationship is the key. If you look at Jesus with the 12, they were his friends. They had opportunity. He discipled them intensely. Uh, he gave them opportunity. Uh, they got to watch him. Then they got to do it, and he watched them. Uh, then he sent them out uh, to, do the, to do ministry and uh, they had the benefit of not just hearing his teaching, but one-on-one, uh, the relationship aspect, he called them his friends. Yeah. Those are all key factors in training on raising a leader.
0: Yeah, yeah, and they basically got to know every aspect of his life, the stories, right. um, you know, all the parables that he continually right. told to them and everything like that too. So, um, so what do you look for um, in, in potential
1: leaders? Well, it's kind of interesting that, again, if you look at Jesus and look at the disciples that he chose, when i look at those disciples i ask myself would i've chosen those guys yeah uh, <laughs> i mean one was a terrorist and uh they were they were small-minded narrow-minded prejudicial in their thinking um they were they came from a wide variety of backgrounds one was a tax collector one was a terrorist one they're fishermen uh one was a skeptic mm. i mean they were a right uh those would be in the natural, those would be the last people that we would go to look for. We, yeah. we tend to want to say, well, well, let's go find people who are servants, or let's find people whose character is really there. Mm-hmm. Let's find people of character, find people who are servants. Were the first 12 uh, apostles or disciples, were they servants? Absolutely not. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, Jesus yeah. spent three and a half years primarily trying to teach them how to be a servant. Mm-hmm. So he didn't pick them for those qualities. He didn't go for the educated. They, for the most part, they were not educated. Uh, they were not in the elite of society. They were basically invisible in that society. Uh, what, but they did have one thing in common. And the thing that they all had in common was they were ambitious. They were ambitious,
0: yeah. Uh, one of the first times I heard you speak was, was about ambition. And I remember it um, standing out to me because my church background was always being taught that you shouldn't be ambitious because that's prideful. Right. Um, but yet you're saying the opposite. That's so um, when you're saying it, what do you mean by
1: ambition? What I mean by ambition is they wanted, they wanted their life to come for something. They wanted to, they were, they were ambitious for, for fruitfulness. They were ambitious for advancement. And I'm not saying that when Jesus chose those 12, that their ambitions, uh, they were not necessarily holy ambitions. I mean, right. they, they were looking forward to being in the driver's seat for a change. They were looking forward to Jesus setting up his throne and they would have 12 thrones along with them and they were going to get to rule and reign with Jesus. And they weren't necessarily thinking, I mean, they're thinking about, about what they should do was not what Jesus had in mind. But the fact is, is that they wanted to advance.
0: Yeah.
1: And they were, and that was the thing that those 12 disciples had in common. Mm-hmm. And uh, they weren't servants and their ambitions weren't even in the right place, but the fact is they were driven individuals. And Jesus said, now nah, you've given me something to work
0: with. I can work with these things. So right. what if somebody lacks ambition?
1: If people lack ambition, they, they never make a good leader. Hmm. Because um, if you're involved in Christian ministry and Christian leadership, leadership is hard. Yeah. If you're a good leader, if you're a, a conscientious good leader, there's a lot of pressure there's a lot of there's more gory than glory um yeah. there's there's um, if you don't have ambition you you won't last yeah you'll quit it's too hard the work is too hard it's too demanding uh it's it's um there's too much pressure there's too much responsibility and you'll you'll quit mm-hmm. if you don't have ambition
0: so when we look at um, leadership now obviously when you see a leader you don't just say, well, I'll just watch them for a few years and see how they develop. Um, but you intentionally develop right. them. So how do you do that?
1: I, I think, again, the, the relationship key is is really important. Mm-hmm. And because your best leaders, if you gain, go back to the New Testament, and not just with Jesus, with his disciples, but if you look at a, a guy like Barnabas, for example, yeah. or Paul. Uh, and, I mean, they train some pretty powerful leaders in Mm -hmm. in their in their ministry i mean jesus produced the 12 but barnabas produced john mark who wrote the gospel of mark he also he also came out with paul Mm. who wrote two-thirds of the new testament so barnabas was a master equipper and trainer of leaders and but he this those two individuals alone just john mark and the apostle paul were huge I mean, look at the impact that they've had over, this, over the centuries. So, if he did nothing else but raise those two guys up, he made a massive impact on the body of Christ throughout history. So, mm-hmm. what, how did he do it? Well, he, he spent time. He, he, was, he, he built relationship. He mentored them. Uh, he poured into them. Uh, that's how he believed in them. Uh, that's mm-hmm. how he got them to believe in themselves. Uh, those are all factors in, in raising and training a leader. If you just put people in a classroom and give, stick information in their head, yeah. and, then say, and then you give them a diploma at the end and say, well, I've produced a leader now, well, you've hardly started. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've actually left out the most meaningful and the most, unfortunately, the most difficult part of training and equipping a leader. The mm-hmm. easiest thing to do is just put people in a classroom and yeah. pump information in their head.
0: I want to talk um, a little bit about seeing in people, seeing value in people, because um, one of the things that you had mentioned in the past was about how you look for value in people right. and in the same way that Jesus did. Right. So what, what do you mean by that?
1: Well, I mean, I'm, number one, I'm looking, t- I'm looking to see if that person does have ambition. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I mean, a lot of churches are afraid of ambition because they think, well, you've got to avoid that person because he's ambitious and he might hurt you.
0: Troublemaker. Yeah. Right. My yeah. attitude
1: is, not no, without ambition, I just want to be able to steer that ambition. Right. If I can steer that ambition in the right direction, mm-hmm. then we've got ourselves a leader here. Yeah. Right? yeah. Which is what Jesus did. Um, but I think that in terms of value, um, if you're a, a good equipping leader, and not everybody is. I mean, Barnabas was a master at it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Paul was good at it, too. Obviously, Jesus was the best. But it's it's an ability to see ability in people, to look at somebody and say, I see ability in you. Mm -hmm. There's something in you. I think I could take what's in you and develop that and and make you something that you're not right now. Mm -hmm. And Jesus and Paul and Barnabas, those kinds of leaders had the ability to see ability. Yeah. And and so I, I think it's I think it's a gift. I think that it's a grace on somebody's life to be able to do that. Some people are better at it than others, um, but I think that's I think that's I think a key quipper needs to have that ability. Mm. And then you then have to then then you have to convince that person to see ability in themselves. Oh yeah, that's tough. Um, that's because I, if I look at myself for an example, um, I I was I, I would was what you call a reluctant leader. I mean, I was in, got into leadership, but I, I've always got into leadership reluctantly. God's always had to drag me into it. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons was, quite frankly, I just didn't see much ability in myself. Mm. I just thought that I was a below average um, person that just could never imagine myself leading anybody or anything, actually. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a, quite a journey for me uh, and a lot of it came to, had to come to the place where I actually believed in what God had, had given to me and believed in what God had called me to. And so uh, I was fortunate enough that in my journey, I had some some people that actually saw ability in me and, and gave input into my life, which helped me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so the ministry of encouragement, like you had mentioned Barnabas um, a lot of times. Um, how do you balance out? Because you know you're talking about leaders with ambition, and um, and sometimes it's misguided. Right. Uh, how do you balance out operating in that ministry of encouragement when it comes to emerging leaders, and but also kind of refining and correcting along the way? What's what's your secret when it comes to that?
1: Well, again, I think that it, that's where um, the holy area is, is a person teachable. Like you can look at the twelve disciples that Jesus mm. had, and I mean, they were fighting amongst themselves. Yeah. They were squabbling. They, you know, he, he had quite a journey teaching them how to be servants and how to get along and had to catch the vision for the kingdom. But he did it. He, got, he did get them there. Mm-hmm. And they made all kinds of mistakes. I mean, Peter, we know more about Peter than, yeah. than even some of the other 12. Look how many times he blew it. Yeah. But the key, though, is that they were teachable. Mm-hmm. And even when they blew it, they could receive correction. Jesus could correct them. Uh, and I think that was also true in Paul's life and in John Mark's life. I mean, John Mark blew it too. Mm-hmm. And Paul uh, wanted to just write him off. But Barnabas said, No, I still see something in him, and I think I can correct what I, what I see in John Mark. That's what's the problem. And mm-hmm. so, uh, so being teachable and adjustable mm-hmm. is a key factor. If you can't, that person doesn't have that ability, then, then you can't work with that person. So my attitude is if somebody's not correctable, then I will stop working with that person and say, mm. you know what, you need to get your, some things adjusted in your life, come back see me later. Uh, but right now, you're not adjustable.
0: Yeah. Um, can you tell us of any uh, instances where you've seen um, kind of a most unlikely person that maybe had never thought of themselves as a leader, where they emerged and, and came out as a leader, other than yourself, right. um, where they emerged and, and came out um, to flourish as a leader?
1: Sure. I, we have lots. In fact, I would say that, that ma- the majority of people that I have worked with the, in the beginning, people would not necessarily have seen them as leaders. Mm. I remember one time, uh, one of our pastoral couples, and they're one of our strongest pastoral couples, they lead a great church here in, in Saskatchewan. Uh, several years ago, they were in a very small church, which was disintegrating. They didn't have a pastor. The pastor, they did have left they were worship pastors. They were worship leaders. Mm. They came to Regina. I didn't know who they were. They called me up one day, asked me if I would have lunch with them. I did. They said, I said, what do you want me to do for you? They said, we want you to send as a pastor. So as we got into the conversation, I looked at them. and I thought they could do it. (laughs) So I said, why don't you pastor the church? And they were shocked and horrified um, because they certainly didn't see themselves in that light. I said, I'll help you. I'll help you do it. I'll help you get started. And so we did. And today they pastor a very successful, fruitful church and are great leaders. Um, hmm. But at the beginning, who would have seen that? Right. Yeah. And, uh, and in Harvest City Church, the church that I probably spent the most amount of time in, <coughs> our church is filled with leaders. Most of those leaders, you would never have seen them as leaders in the beginning. Hmm. And, and they have grown to become very, very good leaders. In fact, hmm. we export leaders.
0: Yeah, and that's your goal is, right. to, is to really export leaders right. and to church plant and all that. Um, so Lifelinks International, um, what are you doing right now? And I know the answer to this because I'm a part of one of your programs, but um, can you just talk about the um, AMP program that you've, you have developed right. and, and with your, along with your team right. into uh, training and equipping
1: leaders? Right. Well, again, we, we did have a Bible school and it was fruitful, it was good, mm-hmm. and, and we had many good graduates. but. Eventually, we came to the point where we thought, we're not exactly training who we want to train. And we, mm-hmm. some of the people were, but there were other people that were there for other reasons other than really wanting to become a leader. Right,
0: building foundations, being disciples. Yeah, and there's nothing
1: wrong yeah. with that, but that wasn't what we wanted to do. So mm-hmm. we, we shut that school down, and we kind of did nothing for about a year and a half, and I kept chewing on it. And I thought, well, let's start, a, let's start as another kind of school, a different kind of school heavy on mentoring, heavy on relationship. Mm -hmm. Uh, In today's world with communication, as far as giving people information, we don't need to put them in classrooms and and, and give them piles of information. They can read the books for themselves. They can go online. There's so many different ways of getting information. Mm -hmm. Let's just steer them to the right information. But then let's spend the majority of our time mentoring, equipping, uh, giving them key principles of, of leadership. Let's give them opportunities. And so we finally have gotten it down. We started off with an 18-month program, which we then shrunk, squeezed it even more into a nine-month program. And we've done it three times now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in our third year, year th- third class of third doing class, it. Yeah. We're do, we'll only take 25 at a time. <laughs> and, uh, but I would say in three years, we've raised at least 75 leaders, and a majority of them are involved in ministry right now, many of them full-time, some of them leading churches, some of them on the mission field. And mm. we're really pumped by that. Oh,
0: that's, that's a huge, 75 leaders in three years right. that are actively doing full-time, that's right. full-time ministry. That's, that's so powerful. Um, if people want to know more about LifeLinks, uh, they
1: can go, what's the website? There's a website, just LifeLinks, uh, www.lifelinks.org. Mm-hmm. And on LifeLinks website, there'll be an, a link to another website called AMP AMP, mm-hmm. which is our leadership training program.
0: Right, so you can look on, the, on there. Um, There's also a link on there for um, churches that are a part of the LifeLinks organization. So if if you don't have a home church and you're in a different nation in the world, you can certainly go on there and, uh, you know, find out, check out the churches that are a part of LifeLinks. If if there's a pastor that's watching today and he's just independent and he doesn't have an apostolic leader, um, you know, and... What would you do to encourage him to to find somebody to develop a relationship and and to be accountable to?
1: Well, if I was him, if I was in that situation, I would make contact through the Lifelinks website Mm -hmm. and say, if you didn't know anybody in the Lifelinks network, I would simply write a letter and say, I want to be, I'm interested in this network, I want to build a relationship with some some leaders. Mm -hmm. if, If somebody wrote a letter like that, we would definitely get back to him. Or her and Connect, say, yeah. look at, okay, let's see if we can build a relationship. In mean, LifeLinks, you can't join LifeLinks by simply paying a membership fee and joining it. Right. We're not interested in that. Yeah. We're interested in people who are like-minded. Mm-hmm. Uh, our vision is working together with like-minded churches. So it doesn't mean we have to cross our T's and dot our I's all in the same place, but we have to be like-minded, like-minded in terms of the gospel, in terms of church planting, in terms of building churches. We have to be like-minded in that. And we also have to and you have to be relationally connected mm. to be a part of the Life Thinks Network, yeah. so if we can 't build a relationship with that person, then we 're saying then that we're, you need to find something different we 're not, we're not for you yeah, and okay. that 's the way we look at it
0: that's great so thank you, um, Pastor Dave Wells, apostolic leader of hundreds of churches all over the world uh, you 've heard a story you 've heard some of his teaching today, and we 're just so grateful that you were able to come on and just okay. to share a few a few principles. Um, And like you said, you know, just go to lifelinks.org if you want more information about Lifelinks International. And as well, you can go onto our website at equipministries.ca and we have resources there. Um, There's audio and some video coming on there as well. And uh, you can send us a message, fill out our contact form as well, share any testimonies you might have. Um, If a program has spoken to you in a certain way, we would love to hear from you and also any prayer requests. We have um, prayer and intercession teams that are praying for for our viewers um, all year round. So we would just really love to hear from you and would love to connect with you in that way. So thank you so much for watching today. And we just appreciate um, you just taking this time and uh, just receiving what the Lord has for you today. So um, have a blessed week.